She weighed in at about 30 pounds, and she was really proud of it. We were at the doctor's office the other day, and this little girl was beaming as the nurse lifted her up off the weight scale and set her down next to her mom, and she looked up at her mom and said, now it's mommy's turn. And mom said, no, thank you. And perplexed, the little girl looked to the nurse who said, baby, we don't weigh mommies here. Mommies don't always like to be weighed, which is probably true. It's hard to be a mom. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know that from personal experience, but over the last few months, I've had a front row seat to the challenges of motherhood. And let me just say, Noble and I, on this first Mother's Day, for his mom, are very thankful for Lindsay. I'm also really thankful for my mom, and I know that there are a lot of people in here today who are grateful for their moms, and we've got gifts for you out there, moms. We've also got a photo booth set up so that you can have photos with your kiddos on this day if that's something that you want to do. We just want to honor you today. I I want you to hear from Highland, thank you, moms. And also, I want you to hear from us that we don't weigh mommies here, although I'm told that in the women's restroom there's a weight scale, which to me seems like the worst idea ever in history. Like, if if that was just extra furniture we had laying around, we have picked the worst possible place in the world to store it, yeah. But um, I can't go in there and change it because it's a women's restroom and rules are rules. Next Sunday, one of the biggest days at Highland, one of two of the biggest days in the year, our outreach contribution, we're going to raise $130,000 in one day, and then we're going to give it away, okay? And this brochure is the Go brochure. We made this for the last outreach contribution in December We've got more of these out there in the commons at the Welcome Center. And in this brochure, it details every ministry that we support through the outreach contribution, as well as ministries that are supported via other ways. Okay, so this is an excellent resource. And if you're new here especially, I'd encourage you to go grab one of these out there in the commons at the Welcome Center. We're going to talk a little bit more about this today, but first, let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for the chance to be in your presence today. I'm grateful for your people that are gathered in this room who um, live into that identity as your people because of a covenant that you made long ago, a covenant that you made with Abraham, a covenant that Jesus fulfilled, and a a covenant that we live into every day. We're thankful for that, God, and we know that you are faithful to that covenant. We pray that you enable us to be as well. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Acts 3, Peter preaches this fiery sermon that can basically be boiled down to one point. God made a promise to Abraham long ago, and he kept it. Here's the promise. Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. He made that promise four times in Genesis. Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. God made a promise, and how did he keep the promise? Jesus. The whole sermon of Peter's in Acts 3 can be boiled down to that point, that God made a promise, and he kept the promise, by sending Jesus, a promise to bless all peoples on earth. And what Peter wants you to understand is that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is fulfilling the promise to bless all peoples on earth. That's why he's here. That's his purpose. That's why he came to bless all peoples on earth because God made a promise and Jesus is going to keep the promise. Which begs a really simple question. If the job of Jesus is keeping the promise of God to bless all peoples on earth, and we are the body of Christ, what, if anything, does this ancient promise mean for us? To answer that question, take a look at my forehead. Um, To this 
wonderful hurricane cowlick right here, smack dab in the middle of my forehead. Um, I have my dad to thank for this cowlick, okay? My dad has this very same cowlick in the very same spot on his head, and he actually inherited this cowlick from my grandmother. Apparently, what happens to one gentry happens to all of us gentries, okay? So um, every person who has ever cut my hair has made a comment about this cowlick. Okay, the other day a woman was cutting my hair and she goes, whoa, what's that? I thought I had bugs in my hair. Nope, just my cowlick. So I prayed and I prayed when I found out we were pregnant and then when I found out we were having a son. I said, God, if my son wants to part his hair on the left side, please let him. <laughs> now, if my, if my son wants to have a Caesar haircut, please let him, dear God. Sure enough, the first thing I noticed when Noble arrived in the world, let's see, the cowlick. <laughs> the cow. He's going to have that right part for the rest of his life. Apparently, what happens to one gentry happens to all gentries, even when it comes to cowlicks. Okay. So that's the answer to our question. Now, let me explain. Luke and Acts are written by one guy. They're basically one story. They're part one and part two. Okay, and if you read them together, Luke and Acts, you pick up on something very clearly. That what happens to Jesus and Luke happens to the church in Acts. What happens to Jesus and Luke happens to the church in Acts. At Jesus' baptism, the Spirit uh, comes down out of heaven, heaven opens up, the Spirit of God comes down on Jesus. And at Pentecost, when the church is baptized, the Spirit of God comes down on them, right? You remember this story, okay? Um, Jesus heals people, the church heals people. Jesus is rejected in his hometown. The early church is rejected in their hometowns and then everywhere else. Jesus suffers even dying, and the early church suffers some of them even dying. Okay, what happens to Jesus in Luke happens to the church in Acts. But you've got to ask this question, why? And that's the key. And what Luke wants you to understand is what happens to Jesus happens to the church when the church does what Jesus does. That's how the church is part of the Jesus family. That's why they have the same cowlick, why the same things keep happening to them, because what Jesus does, the church t turns around and does the same thing. The church makes Jesus' business their business. So, if Jesus' business, according to this text, is blessing all peoples of the earth, what does Luke want you to do? Bless all peoples of the earth. It's really simple. Jesus blesses all people of the earth in order to fulfill a promise that God made to Abraham years and years before. He arrives on the scene, and in this passage at the end of Acts 3, we see that what Jesus is doing is keeping God's promise. And what the church does, the early church, is what Jesus did. And what they realized was, Jesus was blessing all the peoples of the earth, and maybe we need to as well. And if we do, we get to join Jesus in keeping the promise of God, that we are God's promise keepers. But what does that look like? I think that's the next question you've got to ask. This is a series of questions, and I think that's the next one. What does it look like to bless all the peoples of the earth? Well, I think there are a couple of things it might look like. And so I, I just want to talk about something. And I don't want to be, I don't want to, um, I, 
I don't want to soften up the call of God on your life at all. In fact, I want to, I want to start with what may be a very demanding call that you are experiencing. Okay? Some of you might be, right now, God might be calling you to become a foreign missionary. So, some of you, God might be calling you to become a foreign missionary. Some of you, maybe not, but some of you, God might be calling you to do that. Nathan and Karen Luther were members of Highland, longtime members of Highland, teachers in Memphis schools, and they felt like God was calling them to the Philippines. And so they went, and they're there to this day, and they're supported by Highland, supported via the outreach contribution, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But some of you are experiencing that call to go and bless all peoples of the earth, and like Nathan and Karen, participate in in this promise-keeping of God. Some of you are experiencing that call, and it's not just young people. Like some of you young people might be experiencing that. Some of you young people may have that dream. But some of you who are retired and your kids are out of the house, like what could be better than spending your remaining years blessing all peoples of the earth? Okay, what, what could be better than participating and keeping the promise of God? Some of you are experiencing that call. But what I know is that not all of you are experiencing that call. Okay? And so what I want to challenge you secondly is to consider taking a short-term mission trip this year or next year in the remainder of 2014 or in 2015. Highland, as part of our Vision 2018, has made this goal of doubling our our short-term missions, okay? And um, we went on 13 last year, short-term missions to all kinds of different places. Um, And and what I want to encourage you to think about is doing one of those. I know the men are planning a trip to Honduras coming up in a few months in November. This would be a great opportunity. Let me tell you why. There's a lot of debate about the value of short-term mission trips. I, I understand the, the argument, well, well, let's just send resources over there instead of investing the resources to send ourselves over there. And, and that's a, a fair argument. I understand that. Um, I went on a short-term mission trip. Lindsay and I did our freshman year of college to the Dominican Republic. Okay? And that short-term mission trip changed my life. It was part of a, a series of events that were going on in my life, but it was one of the most critical events in helping me determine that I wanted to spend my life in ministry. Okay? And I fell in love on the trip, so go on a short-term mission trip, and maybe you'll find your spouse. Yeah, it's hard not to fall in love on the beach in the Dominican, right? Okay. So um, that, there's a lot of evidence that indicates if you go on a short-term mission trip that you are more likely, once you become aware of global needs, that you are more likely to invest in global work, blessing all peoples of the earth again and again and again. Okay. So that's why there's value because of the long-term change it produces. So I want to challenge you, secondly, to go on a short-term mission if God isn't calling you to go over there permanently. Okay. And lastly, most of the New Testament church did not leave their homes and go on missions. Uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't afford it, right? Uh, but what most of the New Testament churches did was support missionaries or support churches in other places. Okay, they recognized that those people who are going to these other places and planning these churches and spreading the kingdom of God in these other places are doing what Jesus did, and that is blessing all peoples on earth. And so whether you're being called to one, two, or three, or all three of those, what I want you to recognize is you still have this incredible ability to participate in the promise-keeping of God, and that's by giving to the outreach contribution. Okay, so next week we're going to raise $130,000 in one day, and then we are going to give it away to some of the most incredible ministries in Memphis, in this country, around the world. And we're going to do it because we believe these ministries are excelling at blessing all peoples on earth. So I'm not going to beg you for money. In fact, I am fully confident that we're going to make it next week. This church always comes through on the outreach contribution. I know you're excited about it. You're going to give, and I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you for that.
So what I want to challenge you, though, is just really simply. When you give to the outreach contribution, you're participating in the promise-keeping of God in blessing all peoples of the earth. And, and that's a pretty cool reason. You're doing what Jesus did. And that's pretty cool. And I want to challenge you with one other thing. Just like the early church does what Jesus does, um, I want to challenge you to do what Jesus did. And namely, I want to challenge you to pray what Jesus prayed. And we want to bathe this outreach contribution in prayer in a way that we haven't done before. So we're not only asking you to open up your pocketbooks, what I'm asking you is to hit your knees and to pray for what Jesus prayed. And what Jesus prayed in Matthew is for this day when the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And that's what I want you to pray. Jesus knew that day would come, and I want you to give next week. But even more than that, I want you to pray for that day to come because it mattered to Jesus, and if it mattered to Jesus, then it matters to us. I want to invite David Ralston up here. David, as you know, is one of the people who has invested more of himself in foreign missions than many others. In fact, he just returned from his 84th mission trip to Ukraine, I believe, and he's going to tell you a story from Ukraine which is one of the missions that we support via the outreach contribution. And I'll get up here and say one more thing. Thanks, Eric. You know, we have been supporting the work and traveling to Ukraine for, for over 20 years. And so you might ask the question, why do we continue? It's the stories. It's the stories about people. <clears throat> it was a cold day in Ukraine. Several of us were there to uh, share Jesus and to bless the people in that part of the world. And this morning we were going to a community center. <clears throat> As we entered the room, uh, I was drawn to an older man over in the corner sitting by himself. His shoulders were bent. He had a cane. His skin was obviously worn by the sun. And he began talking to me, and he said, I'm a soldier. I spent many days <clears throat> uh, in war. And he said, there were many days when the sun was so hot, I could hardly breathe. And there were many days it was so cold, that I was not sure I was going to last the whole day. Other days, I was hungry. And then, of course, there were those days and nights when there was gunfire all around and shellings and explosions and I wondered if if that was going to be my last day but he said I'll tell you what brought me through all of that and he reached around his neck and he showed me his cross and he said this old cross probably a hundred years old is what got me through he said I had to keep it hidden most of the time because although I'm a believer my superiors were not but all I had to do was just to touch that cross. And it reminded me that I had a God in heaven who was protecting me. <clears throat> but he said, I'm old now and most people have forgotten me and my body aches all the time. And I don't, I don't have the medicine to, to, I mean, I don't have the money to buy medicine. And I remembered that I had a large bottle of aspirin out in the car. So I said, excuse me for just a moment. So I went out to, to, to the van, and I got the aspirin, and I came back in. And I said, I just want you to know that God loves you. 
and the people here in this church love you. And I want to give you this bottle of aspirin. And tears came to his eyes as he held it close to his body. I went on to visit other people in, in, in the center, and as we were ready to leave, the old soldier motioned me to come over to him. And he said, I have something I want to give you. Now, I didn't want the old soldier to, to give me something, but I also knew enough about his culture to know that whatever it was, I should accept it because not to would be to offend him and to hurt his feelings. <clears throat> and so he says, I'm an old man. I'm very poor. I don't have any money. In fact, I don't have much of anything. But I saw Jesus in you today, and I want to give you my cross. So today I wear that cross, and I think about the old man. And I think about how the Lord used a simple gesture of a bottle of aspirin to his glory. So why do we continue going to Ukraine? It's the stories. The stories about people. Stories about people seeing Jesus. Thanks, David. Uh, I've learned so much from David about blessing all peoples of the earth. And I'm grateful that he's here and he's one of our shepherds. Okay, next week, May 18th, we're going to raise $130,000, which is four times our normal contribution. We're going to do it in a day, and then we're going to give it away to ministries all over the world and in Memphis. And, in fact, you don't have to wait till next week to do this. Um, you can actually now give electronically, and you can see behind me kind of the steps to doing that. You go to the Give Now tab, and on the, the home page of the giving, once you get there to that home page, you have the option, you can give to several different things. You can do your general contribution that way, your, your outreach contribution, you can do overflow, and there will be other things on there from time to time when we do specials. This is a really awesome resource. Lindsay and I have actually started using this because um, it, is, it is hard enough for us to get to church on Sunday morning with our son and then to remember our checkbook too. Like inevitably we forget our checkbook. So we have our weekly contribution now going out this way. Last night, I guess it was early this morning, as a Mother's Day gift to Lindsay. Noble started crying really early, three or four, and I leaned over and I said, Lindsay, Lindsay. She said, what? I said, um, can you get Noble? Because I've got to preach in the morning. <laughs> so it's, Sunday mornings are stressful in our home. I don't know if they're stressful in your home. And remembering things like checkbook is hard. So if you want to give electronically, you can actually do that now, and, and, and that's what we'll be doing. So if you want to do that, you might consider that. It's a great resource. Um, hey, next week, I want to encourage you to invite somebody. Express to them we do not want their money, but I want them to come. A lot of people think a giving Sunday is not a good day for visitors, but I think this is one of our best days because as long as you communicate to them we're not wanting their money, because they're going to see on one day what this church cares about. And what this church cares about is blessing all peoples of the earth, and we're not just going to say it, but we're going to do it on May 18th. We're going to bless all peoples of the earth by giving $130,000. Okay, let's continue in worship together. Let's stand up and sing. <clears throat>